New Year, Clurbies. This is Mikey. Who am I talking to here? You got Maybe a couple of errands. A couple of errands in the great, great year of 2024. This is plurality. In case you forgot, we are a podcast about beautiful music and beautiful people. When do we do episodes, Frenchie? Um, like every other Wednesday. Yes, Coco. Hi, Mikey. We are super stoked to kick off the new year with another guest, our second guest. What to do? What's up, homie? What to do? Plurby's our next guest. On any given day, you might find him collabing with a space wizard or just being a loving and supporting boyfriend on Twitter. Some, me, are calling him the songbird of the rhythm community with his tunes gracing the stages of Ultra and the USBs of Marshmallow. He has been dedicated to the producer craft for over a decade, cooking up heaters in a variety of genres, including dubstep, trap, house, hip hop, hyper pop. I've heard some DMB as well, which gets me very excited. Quite simply, this human exudes exactly the type of positive energy we're about here at the Plurality Podcast. And I am so stoked to introduce our favorite anime character, DJ producer, Sora. Welcome to the show. I just want to say that was like the nicest intro I've ever heard about myself. That was incredibly sweet. I almost started crying at some point. That was really nice. <laughs> so thank you for saying all that. It was really beautiful. We've all cried on this podcast at various points, so it's a safe space. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> We're here to gas you up. Well, you already won. <laughs> well, well, Plurbies, today we have three segments for you. We got Drop of the Week. We've got Sad Boy Central with Sora. And then Miscellaneous Matters, where we just stuff every else that we want to talk about so Frenchie is going to take us into drop of the week let's do it so Sora it's so great to have you on thanks for joining us today we know you're a multifaceted and layered producer but the internet is a bit divided about what rhythm is so I'm interested in how you would define rhythm and what do you produce that you think is a good representation of rhythm that's a really, I don't know, that's a really weird question because a lot of people would say rhythm is about the sound design. You know, like it's not real rhythm if you don't use reason, maelstrom, and square four wavetable. Some people get really tight about it. I think that really what like characterizes rhythm is like, or at least what gives it its name, would be like the flow and how bouncy it is, its simplicity, and drums. To me, drums dictate the entire song, like for real. And depending on the sample or kit that you use, like it will change the entire feel of the song. Rhythm's use of the kick clap in replace of a traditional snare sample, I feel like is what I would consider rhythm. And I might get crucified for that, but like there's so many different types and styles and all these kids in the underground that are making all kinds of different what I would consider rhythm. A lot of people would consider rhythm where it originated from, which was the entire square four sound. Both are great, and I love them both, but I think it's a little bit broader than that. As somebody who does not make music, 
I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, so a lot of people would say the synth that you use is what makes it rhythm, but I say it's more about the drums and the vibe. Like, it's it's literally just about how it flows, how it bounces. You do a totally different dance to trap. Rhythm makes you jump and lift your knees up pretty high, and that's what makes it rhythm to me. It's just a feeling. The height of your knees, specifically, yeah, is how you can gauge the rhythmness. Who's headbanging to rhythm? Because it's for a different type of music. People don't normally hit the jerk to rhythm, except me and Brielle, because we're <laughs> crazy. But that's my whole point, is that every style of music kind of makes you dance a specific way, whether you know how to or not. Like, it just feels kind of natural to jump to rhythm and lift your legs up. And instead of, you know, slamming your head to the ground, it just feels a little bit more natural to do that. And I feel like any song that uses the drums and the flow and the bounce the right way can sound like rhythm. A lot of people would disagree with me. No, I'm here to hear what your definition is. And yeah, do you have anything that you could share with us that you think is a good representation of rhythm on the Sora side? Uh, For me, I've got Thunder, which is a pretty old tune. I didn't know how to use Reason at the time, but it was the closest I could get. I'm really stoked to hear you say that because I downloaded a few Sora tracks before this episode and Thunder was one of them. (laughs) Hard. I can hear the square waves there. Rhythm. That's what I would I would consider my rhythm. That's my take on it, at least. Yes, I want to dig a little deeper. I was wondering, because you collabed with a little French boy, Death Floor, on the song Endpoint. He's 17 years old, and according to his Spotify bio, it says he started producing in 2015. So he would have been nine years old. You've now been producing more than a decade. So starting like in high school or even earlier. Are there any old rhythm DJs out there or how long until like infant babies are producing rhythm? I don't know. It feels like they are getting like younger and younger, seriously. And no shade. A lot of these kids are crazy. Just from a technical standpoint, insane at production. A lot of the time I'm downloading tunes and trying to network and like meet these kids. I'm like looking at their Twitter profile and it says 16. (laughs) I wasn't anywhere close to that. It, when I was 16. Because I did start when I was like 15, 16. I sucked. <laughs> of course. I sucked. I was bad. I listened to my old stuff compared to now. And not to say that I'm like goaded now, but man, like my old stuff was rough. To answer your question about older rhythm DJs, there's plenty. Shivers is one of the most like decorated and well-known rhythm DJs in uh, like the scene. You've got Sudden Death mixes rhythm. Marshmallow now mixes rhythm. He's older. But if we're talking about OGs, you've got like Jake's, Koki. You've got the entirety of Gentleman's Club. Man, like I came up on Gentleman's Club. When I was in high school, they were what made me transition from like listening to Skrillex to digging a little bit deeper into like dubstep and like the culture. Hearing London Twin for the first time was what sent me down the rabbit hole for real. And yeah, they're all over the place, but it does kind of feel like they're all also babies. <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and again, no shade. They're insane. 
most of the 16, 17 year olds that I listen to regularly, I listen to because they're technically so good. It is very impressive to see how young these kids are just doing unreal things with sound design, really changing the game with a lot of stuff. When you're trying to work with one of those babies, you reach out to them and are they like, yeah, I got you. What's your Snapchat? Like, Dude. what is the like communication like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel weird. You know, I'm not old, but it does still feel weird to kind of be talking to kids because they communicate differently. They use like mainly Discord and they're like always online, always on Twitter and stuff. You know, sometimes there's language barriers. Sometimes it's like, they're 17 and they want to work with you, but they've got like a lot of responsibilities and like, you know, a 17 year old is going to go be a 17 year old. They're not really going to give a fuck about, <laughs> you know, making like a full-time career out of music. So sometimes there's like a breakdown, you know, things take longer than they should, but yeah, it's, it's a little awkward at first, but like once you get to know them and like, you know, obviously it's just like a homie to homie. I respect you as a producer. I don't really think of your age unless you're like really unprofessional because you know their kids are new they haven't really been plugged in the scene very long well it's cool to hear you talk about the ogs especially i mean every genre in edm that we love has has a history and stuff so to hear you have a respect for those that came before you that's what this is about i wouldn't be here without them aaron's anything to add i will ask kids in europe specifically have it seems like more of an understanding of like the culture of electronic dance music and they kind of grow up with it more than a kid would in the u.s so do you think with these people who are younger do you think there are more in in europe and other countries than here in the u.s yeah yeah i you know what i never really put much thought to it but yeah i would say that the majority of them are out in you know uk germany australia God. <laughs> is there a big rhythm scene in Australia? The dubstep coming out of Australia right now is the best it's ever been. Good to know. And I'll die on that hill. They are like so forward thinking. I mean, think about it. We had Murata come out of Australia. We had Nexus come out of Australia. Leotrix came out of Australia. These kids are just like consistently reinventing the wheel for dubstep and like setting the trend for years. And it's like they're fucking 17 year olds. And you want, like, that's what I'm talking about, though, is that they all grow up around this immense electronic dance music culture that I feel like is just now starting to become normal in America when I'm watching boiler rooms out in the UK and stuff. And there are quite literally like 16, 17 year olds in the crowd in boiler rooms behind like some of the most OG DMB acts and stuff. And it's like, they're just immersed. You know, that guy that does like DMB on a bike and he'll, like literally bike down yeah. you know, with like a cool crowd of people. Yeah, there's always children. And they're like skanking on their bikes too. <laughs> the lads. It's a family affair. Like EDM is just normalized and ingrained in the culture over in, in Europe. And I mean, there's obviously younger dudes in America that are also immersed and incredibly gifted and talented. But yeah, the majority of the people that I have worked with that have been, you know, of that younger generation definitely european australian some of them are even south american there's incredible talent everywhere and the culture is kind of thrown everywhere for sure we've we've talked about leotrix on the pod before and mikey spent some time in brazil earlier this year in, ecuador sorry sorry ecuador insane deep house really yeah and was saying that like kids on the beach would be you know like raving with everyone till the wee hours tight 
That's actually super dope. I didn't know that. It was super dope. Like the parties at the hostels were like some of the most tasteful tunes that I had like ever heard. Like my playlist that I crafted from that trip was like nutty and I listened to it regularly. <laughs> cool. That's tight. It's beautiful. It's tight. Yeah. Well, that's drop of the week. Now it's time for us to move on into a segment I'm super stoked for. This one is called Sad Boy Central with Sora. But before we start, I need us to get into like the proper headspace. So for that, we're going to play this song that I've been obsessed with for a long time. Uh, yeah, okay, you didn't set the mood. Oh, <laughs> Get your tissues out. Uh, the break it. I left so That scream gets me every time. I had to play it until the scream. <laughs> it's so good. So good. It's so good, dude. I saw you posted your Spotify rap. Mm. And first of all, shout out, Break-Ins. I don't know who I expected to be your top artist, but that's <laughs> not what I expected. But it's dope. I was stoked. Confirmed sad boy over here. For sure. I'll never forget hearing that song for the first time. And it really broke my brain. <laughs> to this day, I think that album is one of the only ones that I could repeat and repeat until the end of time without getting tired of it. I mean, just incredibly me. So good. Love Break-Ins. Love Break-Ins. I think when it dropped, I, I fucking listened to it like 50 times on repeat before <laughs> listening to any other music. Like, legit. I was like, nothing else will be played but this album. You were probably in like the point zero 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 one percent I got a fucking video message, guys. I was up there. Yes. <laughs> I, had the, I had the top numbers for sure. He told me. <laughs> oh, that's sick. For our listeners, that song is called Rosier by the artist Break-Ins. Now, stay with me on this little tangent here. I used to work in sports and people would often ask the athletes, what other sports did you play growing up? You know, did those sports help you develop into your main sport? Now, seeing your Wrapped, which was a lot of, you know, Camo and other, other artists in that vein, the hyper pop sad boy realm, I wanted to ask, do you think it's important as a producer to spend time listening to other genres? And how does that influence your producing, your creative process? Um, I would say to each their own. Some people only want to make one thing. Some people's only goal is to make money off of making one thing. I think that art is really cool. And there was a tweet from Nightpunk that said, like, you're a producer and you have all these different genres that you could make. Why not just make them? I feel like it's, I don't know. I know people that don't even listen to music at all. So it's weird to talk about like, you know, if you're a producer, why not? Why limit yourself? Like, Put your ears everywhere. I listen to all kinds of music because every bit of music is inspiring to me. And that's why I can go from listening to like super crazy tear out to hyper pop 
and then to um, Now Now, which is like my favorite indie band that I actually own a vinyl of. Like, I'll go everywhere. I'll listen to an, a section of a Now Now tune off of this vinyl and think, damn, I could definitely use that in one of my intros. Like, I could do something similar. And having all kinds of different inspirations to choose from is when you get reinventing the wheel type of shit. I mean, maybe that's not your goal, but it still is cool to explore music. Like, you have the ability to. Long-winded way of saying, like, yeah, do it all. (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. Do it all. It's so beneficial to just do it all. You get better as a producer quicker. You have more fun because you have more range. Like, it's just... Just do it all, man. Hell yeah. It's dope. We are huge proponents of people expanding their knowledge in the EDM world and like not sticking to one or two genres. Like I want to get to the point where we're seeing a DJ and in each set, like they play 10, 15 different genres within an hour set. I think that's where music is going. And I think we need to stop putting ourselves in these little tiny boxes and being like, this is where we have to stay. I make house. You're so right. (laughs) You're so right. I've listened to artists where it's like, they only make house music and that's all I've known them for. So, you know, maybe I'm not like on their Spotify regularly and then they'll drop something that's like super trappy instead. And I'm like, yo, hold on, bro. This is like some of the best shit I've ever heard. I love to see artists have range and no, I might not like where you go with it, but like, who cares, bro? It's your art. Do it. (laughs) If I don't like that specific song, you're going to go and flip flop to another one like a different style and I might really fuck with that one. Yep. I'm not going to limit you and I'm not going to go up your ass and be like, you can only make one thing. I'm your fan. (laughs) I want you to explore as my, like as a fan, (laughs) I want you to do different shit and like knock me off my feet. You know, definitely. It's the best part on that note. It kind of makes me think of, okay. So everybody who knows me, knows that I am a stupid, huge seven lines fan. He's made music for over 10 years now. And He's always made music like he'll drop like a bunch of singles. And it was recently that he finally made an album and it was so much like slower and sadder than all of us were prepared for. So when the album dropped and we're all listening to it, there's all this commentary on that, like how it's not so hard and it's really sad. And I kind of needed to get put in my place about that because I just was expecting something a lot harder and I expected to need my neck brace and it just wasn't really like doing that for a lot of the listeners. If you're a fan, you're going to support the journey. Like it's all about the journey. And if this is the way that he decided to take the album, then you got to respect the direction the artist is going to go. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the time, the listeners, listeners, not producers, like I've, I've become aware of this fact that like producers think of music differently than listeners do. Like it's a completely different perspective entirely. And where like producers are like hyper analytical or at least I am for no reason. Like y'all really just love to experience the song. Like you just listen to listen. And I, I value that a lot. Also, I feel like a lot of listeners and even myself as a listener, I get so attached to what I fell in love with that I forget that I can take a break from them. Let the artist evolve and go through their journey and just realize that you can pause. People get really, I get really upset when I I get attached to a style of an artist and they just completely change directions. I'm like, what? (laughs) I was like so high for this album. And then, and then I'm like, but wait for the next one. I'm still going to be a fan. 
I can still go listen to the old album. It's fine. I used to spout my bullshit to everybody. Ah, oh, fuck that. Or they changed. They're not the same anymore. And I did that for years. And then I realized like, dude, I can't complain about pigeonholing myself and then complain when another artist is branching off and doing their thing. Because people who publicly have negative shit to say when an artist does something different actively harm the evolution of music. Like that's why it feels stale because there's a million comments from everybody discouraging growth <laughs> because they get attached emotionally. And that's all I wanted to say is that you can take a break from your favorite artist and just wait for them to drop the next one. It's, it's okay. It's also okay to not like them or not like everything that they do. Frenchie, if I could jump in there, just because it's something that we talk about on here and I think is super important as a listener, I feel really strongly that it's our job as a listener to remove our expectations, to not put our expectations on the artist. That's so hard though. That's so hard though. Like realistically, <laughs> it's that's so, so difficult to take your expectations out of it. But let me paint the picture for you. Go for it, go for it. You go into a set and you have your expectations of what it's gonna be and then it's not that. And then you didn't have a ton of fun at that set. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I've experienced going in and being like, you know what? Last time I saw this artist, it wasn't what I expected, but like, forget that. What do they have for me today? And then I'll have way more fun. You, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got him. <laughs> You got me. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely. Some of the best sets that I've ever experienced live, I went in with nothing. No expectations. I had no idea what they made, what their visual set or what their song selection would be like. I had no idea. Literally some of the best experience I've ever had at concerts were when somebody dragged me to an artist I didn't know. Yeah. And I will say that if we could try and like keep that same attitude with each release from an artist like that feeling you get when you're just like blown the fuck away by experiencing something for the first time you would feel that every time yeah. because it's your artist you know like get more attached to the artist than you know the expectations you have for their sound yes and you will get that tingle in your body every time you hear their shit for the first time you know what i'm saying because, God, dude, I saw G. Jones for the first time without knowing who G. Jones was. And it shattered reality for me. And I was in the front, like on the rail, because it was like my roommate's favorite artist of all time. And he's like, I I'm going to take you, bro. I got you a ticket. I'm going to take you to the show. You just have to come. And I was like, man, fuck all that. Like, I don't want to go. I want to just stay home and play video games. I don't know who the artist is. You know, kind of being like closed off yeah. and closing myself off from like a new experience. I was really good at doing that in college, by the way. Uh, but he dragged me out and I have never listened to an artist consecutively for as long as I did G. Jones after <laughs> seeing that set. It was um, the Ineffable Tour. The Ineffable Tour was fucking unreal. And I think that was the moment that I decided I wasn't going to limit what I made as an artist. And I wasn't just going to make rid of yes. Like that was the set that changed me. So yeah, you are so right. If you can remove your expectations for the set or for the release, it opens you up to not only letting the artists themselves grow, but you reliving that first moment again. You will grow. Exactly. 
beautiful shit for real. It's not easy, like you said, but the pursuit of that, yeah. me personally, and I think that Aaron's can attest, like has helped us grow drastically as as well-rounded listeners and mm-hmm. opened us up to like cool, dope people, like yourself included. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. For sure. Frenchie, do you still remember your point from way back when? Shockingly, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) We needed that, though. No, no, we did need it. And I, my comment is only affirming everything that we've already said. But it was recent that I forget which DJ. He was saying something to the effect of making what you love. Being unafraid to explore these new genres and to, you know, make new things. And his other point was making what you love and not making what you think is going to be profitable. And he said that there were these other DJs he knew who made stuff that they knew was going to be popular. Would pop off. But they don't fucking care about big room. They don't want to make this anymore, but they're making it because they knew that they would get played and now they're sick of it and they got to go out and do this every weekend. And now they've definitely pigeonholed themselves because they were just trying to chase a book. I'm like, that is not the way to approach art, my guy. Oh my God, I couldn't even imagine being stuck like that. I agree. I agree 100%. I don't think it's cool to trend hop. But what I do think is cool is experimenting. So when trends change, if you're one of the type of people that are going to hop on said trend and like just think about how to fully capitalize off of it, that's all you'll do until the trend is gone. Mm-hmm. But then that's all you'll be known for. And like you said, you're done. You're locked into that. And either your fans are going to complain and sniff you out be like, oh, you're just trend hopping for whatever reason. And it's lame. Or you're going to keep making the same shit that you only started making to get popular. And that's lame too. A lot of them probably are miserable and that sucks. But I feel like if trends come around, like what's trending right now? DNB. Like DNB is everywhere on my feeds. Like DNB and house, obviously like John Summit's going crazy right now. The whole progressive house area is... Tech house. Yeah, yeah. That whole area of house music is really blowing up. You see like UK baseline starting to come up on my feeds and stuff. And I'm like, dude, these trends that are coming up are cool. And maybe I haven't dove enough into them or at least that area. Cause realistically trends kind of circulate and it's like a cycle where these genres existed before, you know, they were popping at one point or are now, and eventually they'll kind of die down a little bit. Something else will take its place for a while. And it's just this kind of ebb and flow. And I feel like, again, if we're going to talk about being well-rounded and like just letting yourself explore there, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with seeing a trend or a cool genre start to emerge and thinking, dude, I want to try that. It just comes down to, you can sniff out who's doing it by like a formulaic method and who's exploring. And when it's a formulaic, it's lame as shit. And that's all I got to yeah. say. It doesn't have any soul in it. And you can feel that, right? It just feels very manufactured. And it's like, dude, this is art. Again, it's art. Some of the best art that's come out musically is like, it feels more human than formulaic. It's the weirder shit that tends to go up after the trend starts to grow. Because people start digging into it. And they find their tastes and they find the underground kids that are doing crazy shit with the sound and then it's all fringe 
you know, it's kind of happening with Rhythm right now, where it got a little bit of a spotlight over the last couple of years, but now it's really starting to explode. And you're starting to see the different niches of what other people wouldn't consider Rhythm start to see, you know, spotlight and stuff. And it's cool because all of it's getting attention. I'm not going to be mad if Marshmallow makes Rhythm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if he thinks it's cool and he he clearly is playing out shit or is listening to shit that's cultured, he's playing the underground. So he's been doing his digging. And I think it's cool that he thinks it's cool enough to make. He's putting on the underground that way. It's people that kind of take advantage of it and take advantage of the underground that I don't like. Yeah. And those are everywhere. For sure. Especially when a DJ will like produce five songs and release them back to back, like really rushed. And it just doesn't sound like that much thought went into it. And it just kind of sounds like crap. And they're just putting out their music to get something out on Spotify or Apple music or whatever. There's so much that goes into that too, though, because it's like on one end, there's so much pressure from, I wouldn't say the listener per se, but like, Think of how we have to market these days hmm. as producers. The only way to really stand out in the sea is to hit the algorithm. And the only way to do that is to consistently post on a schedule every day on time. Yeah. You have no choice but to give people new content every day. And when two or three of them take off and everybody in the comments is like, drop this now, drop this, you have to kind of like get it out. And as smaller producers maybe not the bigger guys i feel like they could probably afford to take time and not worry about whether or not people are up their ass to drop mm -hmm. the people that are coming up and you know the underground specifically if they if they want to stay in people's eyes they gotta like kind of rush it out and just do the best that they can i, I mean i've even kind of fallen into this trap where i'm not even finishing songs right now like straight up just to get myself seen on social media like i'll work on a whip that's like half a song for, or m maybe not even half, it's like 30 seconds of a song. And I'll work on that for like two, three days or work on a few over a week. And that's my content for the next week. And when I need to finish them, I will, you know, like if I have plans to put it out, but I got to put myself out there. I got to get myself known. And that's like the only way to do it. If you don't have thousands and thousands of dollars in a cool PR team and you know what I mean? Like you kind of have to rush it. Yeah, of course. In some tokens, yeah, there are people who are just rushing it to capitalize. And again, you, you can tell and it does sound like rushed crap, but it's also hard to, you know, gauge what's rushed crap and what's people just trying to get seen. I've gotten to the point where I can't even judge. Like, I can't say shit because I'm like, I get it. Like, you have to show your whips. You got to show little, like, we're in the studio. Like, you got to <laughs> mix in front of people without truly testing a double. And right now it's just about, can we get in front of people's faces? Because, you know, it can get stressful. It feels like you have to rush these days. Like, yo, when's that knock two whip coming out? <laughs> <laughs> hopefully soon though like for real like what you saw though that instagram clip yeah quite literally i haven't touched it since because i don't really need to yet unless it blows up you know i can use that clip alone to kind of find interesting ways to make different types of content and i don't have to put any more effort than is needed not like currently unless it gets picked up by a label or i feel inclined to finish it I can do all kinds of stuff with it and not put extra pressure on myself. All I'm really doing is making some fairly polished whips without burning out. That's like the only real way to not burn out is to just make your whip, make it cool, vibe with it for a bit and have fun. 
and then just use it, post it and let it go. You know, when you need it, you need it. It's really interesting to hear about these challenges that are being faced behind the scenes. I think that goes really well into actually Moody's next question that they have for us. It does actually. So I started um, just DJing, mixing about six years ago. And when I first started, Aaron can tell you that uh, my imposter syndrome was very high um, and it wasn't doing me any favors, of course. When we were looking back at your tweets, we saw that you tweeted last year that uh, it took a conversation you had with Brielle to realize your inner monologue was kind of holding you back from progressing and evolving, like you say. Do you feel like you're at a better place today with how you perceive your music? Um, yeah, actually. Weird, because I haven't thought about yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Loki. Yeah. <laughs> Loki, yeah. I, this was literally one of the hardest years I've ever been through with art in general. Art in general. I have gone through it this year, struggling with exactly the same shit that I was tweeting a year ago. And um, all throughout the year, I've been battling back and forth with like how I see myself as an artist, how I see my art and my old art that I constantly fucking judge myself for terrible comparison games like I, I went through the ringer and kind of isolated myself for a while all to be at the point where I am now where it I am like a hundred percent confident not that I'm great or one of the greats but let I can do it like hell yeah. yeah you can you hell can. yeah I've been doing this shit for a long time and like I, I know what I'm doing and like is everything gonna be a hit no but that's okay and like that's the kind of feeling I have now where like, I don't really feel like I'm holding myself back anymore. I feel like I did when I first grabbed FL studio back in high school to be there again, feels so unbelievably freeing. And like, after the last couple of years that I've been going through with, you know, personal shit and art shit, I just to be here today. And like, again, without Brielle's help, I wouldn't be, I can confidently say, yeah, I'm going to, way better place and feel so much better about art as a whole and it feels great it's awesome well that's awesome dude hey. y'all let's go that's, that's great to hear and we're i know we just met but we're super proud of you and <laughs> your old tunes are really fucking dope so let me be the first to pat you on the back <laughs> yeah uh, old me would have definitely been like no they're not but I, i'm just gonna say <laughs> thank you i i appreciate you listening to my older stuff and i'm glad that you liked it that's all i gotta say <laughs> yes bro we are here to gas you up man yeah, like keep going dude you doing it and we can't see your evolution if you know you decide to scrape the internet of your old stuff like we we want to see how you've grown and as an artist and as an individual and especially when people have been doing it for 10 years and then they kind of feel like maybe they're in a rut or like should they keep pursuing this or should they stop and you know pivot you should keep going you absolutely <laughs> should keep going <laughs> thanks guys it means a lot seriously also you're like 26 <laughs> <laughs> i know i know we're so early dog yeah. i mean i had to get over that too though you know i started when i was in high school when you're a high school kid fucking 15 16 year old whatever you're always like i'm gonna be a star like you get your shit and you start to like really get into music and i have been doing music my whole life like i've always played instruments and like been in choir and stuff i've been playing piano since i was like eight so i always knew i wanted to do something musically but like the fun of being in a band without being in a band and being able to do it all yourself was just like the most unbelievably cool thing to me. 
And in high school, I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. And then you exit high school. Life gets lifing and it's hard and you can't really like you have to kind of like die and come back and be an adult. And when I was 25, 24, I was like, oh, I thought I'd be way farther by now. And again, comparing myself to everybody. And you're right. You know how long it took me to tell myself like, bro, you are a 26 year old and who is ever figured out in their 20s that has not been signed away to UMG? Like for real. Yeah. We are all here and we all experience this kind of life where you figure it out and you have to kind of go through it so that you can appreciate when you're not anymore. Yeah, I'm young. It's cool to think that. <laughs> we got way more years to, to watch you continue to grow and be at the top of your game, man. I'll be around for a while, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Sad Boy Central with Sora, a great success. <laughs> and now we have one segment left, Miscellaneous Matters. And Miss Frenchie has a really hard-hitting question to kick this one off. It's kind of a tough one. Okay, so you tweeted in August of 2022... I want to go to summoning fest so bad I might poop. Valid. <laughs> <laughs> and then in November of 2023, you played a summoning fest. Yeah, let's go. How did you feel when you got the call to play that festival? And did you feel relief? Like you just took a big dump. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And um, so like the, the summoning thing was just crazy because like all I did was tweet like manifesting a summoning set this year. I never fucking tweet bullshit like that. Like I don't want to, I'm not trying to like clickbait people into like engage with this post while I play the festival. No, I was just like literally putting it in air and in writing that I wanted to try and secure that for myself. And sudden death was like, okay. And yeah, I spent a week shitting (laughs) (laughs) i freaked out and i just i mean i spent literally the last like three months prior to summoning i feel like doing everything i possibly could to prep and i know that nobody would agree with me but I felt like I bombed the set. Like I I just put way too much pressure on myself because it was such a dream come true to be there and like to play it. I'd never even thought that I'd be able to make it to the caverns as an attendee because like, you know, life, I still to this day, I don't think that I did well, but like I literally thank the universe to even have had the opportunity. It was so amazing. It was literally the best experience I've ever had. And it sucked because I sucked. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was amazing. And, you know, bless up to Sudden Death and his team for having me out for that because I don't think any other festival could top that for me. Well, you said you worked on your set for, like, months, dog. I'm sure sure that the tunes you had in there were primo. And just by virtue of that, I would have raged. So you're your own worst critic. Sadly. Maybe it did suck. Maybe you were brutal, (laughs) dude. But you know what? The next one is going to be better. But I could have said... No, because I was scared, and that, to me, would have been worse. So, I would have rather fucked it up. You fucking didn't, bro. Yeah, man. Like, see it through, man. Even if you fuck up, bro, see it through. Keep fucking up, because eventually you'll wake up, and it'll be like, yo, this one was kind of solid. Exactly. Just give it time. Just give it time. You gotta fuck up. Even the even the legends fuck up every once of in a while. Of course. Like, sure. even the legends mess up every once in a while. We all trip. 
and look stupid. Yes. Not a single human has never tripped before. <laughs> the more you fuck up, the faster you're going to get to where you want to be. Exactly. It's true. But the only way that you can fuck up is if you show up. Exactly. This is a motivational podcast <laughs> now. Wayne Gretzky, Michael, Michael Scott, Scott, probably. <laughs> Shout out, Michael Scott. Shout out. So let's let's keep it going. You recently played your biggest headline show today in Denver. Shout out, Denver. You had Bex and Waylo as support. Big ups to them. Absolutely. That's a hella exciting milestone because of the massive challenge that it is to be an opener. And we as fans, we love our headliners, of course. But I do want to shine a light on those openers because they're not making the same money as the headliners, but they're often working the same hours, doing the travel, getting their sets ready. Absolutely. So just how important is it for us to give the openers the love and support that they deserve oh my god show up show up yes no not all of them are going to be seasoned not all of them are going to be crazy but like you have no idea how inspiring it is to get to that point when people fucking show up go see a local pull up before the headliner yeah if you're one of those people that shows up to the venue at midnight you are a lame i'm sorry <laughs> I know that not, and obviously I'm not pointing my finger at anybody. You know, it's a very general statement. Obviously, some people take a long time to ready. Some people are trying to corral like an entire group of people. Sometimes the line's too long. It is what it is. But if you can make an effort to see your local openers, man, that is what's going to turn them into not a local anymore. And not just because you showed up, but because you showed up and they're going to take that home with them. And it's crazy. And the same with like, if you're at the club and you're listening to the opener, you know, you don't have to go crazy or break your back before the headliner if that's what you're really excited for. But maybe you toss them a follow. You see their logo up on the screen. Maybe just throw them a quick follow. If you can't be there to attend for it, that would go dumb far. You, It's so important to show love to the little guys because they're the ones that are going to be like pioneering the genre and taking it past where the guys have been established, right? Because they got established for their sound. They innovated and stayed there because it's them. The little guys are going to take that farther too. <laughs> They're the ones that are like up there with fucking, uh, Cod Dove's got six decks, Eusebi Flow's doing quad chops. Like these kids are crazy. <laughs> and obviously I just listed two people that are headliners, but I'm talking like even the, the, the guys smaller than that, there was an entire show right down the street from me that I was like actually mad I couldn't be at because it was all Denver natives that I listened to on Spotify that I just know went crazy at that venue. Like that entire lineup was like Denver, Denver. Of course, it had to be on the same day because every one of those ar artists, Arbiter, Four, uh, the entirety of the Bourbon Gang and Rhythm University were there playing sets all night. And I would have been there from doors to lights are out, you know, like I would have been there the whole time. Like it would have been crazy the whole time. And I'm just saying like, the more we show love to the, the little guys, the better the sets are gonna get, the better the music's gonna get. Like the more of it you're going to get. Like you're telling me you don't wanna rave from nine to nine? Like we're going all night, you know what I'm saying? Yo. I don't know, pull up. And you never know when you're gonna like an opener book better than the headliner. <laughs> For real, sometimes they take them on tour and I'm like, damn bro, you're like my new favorite. <laughs> I came here for the headliner and now I'm like listening to you more. Honestly, yeah. it's true. I feel like I very often prefer an opener and a closer over the headliner. Often, often. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, we do pull up sometimes specifically to see the, the headliner. And like, I would be going to a G. Jones show to go my hardest for G. Jones. You know what I mean? 
But I discovered Chi that way. I discovered Sarudu that way. I discovered a bunch of other like weirder, experimental, trappy bass that way because he was putting them on and I pulled up for him. I, I love those those artists now. I listen to them all the time because I showed up and I found them that way. And I don't know. It's just, it's so important, man. You get to find so much cool music that way. And like I said, you're inspiring to them. Like you just being there, even if you're not really dancing that hard is enough for them to like kick it into overdrive. So let me get your take on this. Cause as a fan, as just a listener, I always find it pretty interesting to see who the openers are for a headline show. Cause to me, it sometimes feels like a little peek into the brain of the headliner. Like what are the artists and genres that the headliner themselves is interested in right now. So in your experience, what does who the openers are usually say about the headliner? When you see multi-genre lineups and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of that too. I think that the openers are looked at like they're supposed to set the tone in some way, but realistically they're there to perform just like the headliner. And I feel like that's what they're there to do. There's no need to tailor. There's no need to necessarily have them all do the same thing. Obviously, it's going to be a bit jarring if you're going from one very distinct sound to a completely different genre or whatever, but who cares? Like, it, cool, so I get variety. Oh, darn. Like, <laughs> I, I like I like electronic music, and I, I can understand how, you know, some people are really, like, they don't have a taste for house, so they don't listen to house music. And if they pulled up to a dubstep show and the opener was playing house it would kind of pull them out of it. But do your thing, man. I don't think that you, if there are people in your area locally that deserve the spotlight, put them on. Like, it doesn't matter what show, just put them on. Uh, listeners, pull up. doesn't matter who they are or what they do. Just go there and try to listen to them. And to those people who pull up and are like, oh, it's house. Like, yo, I used to be that person. I would talk mad shit about house. Same, bro. But dog, I love the shit out of house. I listen Same. to so much house music now. <laughs> Same. So give it a chance. Absolutely. Just give it a chance. If you don't like it, if you leave and you don't like it, like, oh, well, get a drink. Go talk to your friends. Like, go take some pictures. Like, do your thing. But like, you're there. The, the opener is going to love it and you might love it too. And if you don't, you'll see him next year. Like for real, mm -hmm. you still get to see your headliner, you know, like have fun. For sure. I gotta say, we've been on the same page all episode. <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> I like this. All right, Moody, you next. Yeah. Yeah. So we know you are a big gamer. Yeah. What is your favorite video game soundtrack? Ooh. Okay. Um, in terms of like a score, like Skyrim type music, Jack and Daxter, favorite of all time. Every single game has the best score of all time for me. In terms of like selected songs, Need for Speed, Most Wanted. <laughs> best fucking compilation album of music ever. Perfect game music for driving. What are like the elements to a great video game soundtrack? Um, They gotta fit the theme. Like they're meant to help the story. Like you are meant to sonically tell the story that's being shown to you. I feel like music is so compelling that it can take a scene that would seem lame or a sequence in a game that wouldn't be super duper impactful and just drive it into you with the score. Or like, again, in a, like a racing game, if you pick the right songs to drive to, everybody's gonna wanna race. Like you're gonna wanna <laughs> drive like a crazy person. You're gonna wanna rip that game to shreds and like, 
you do it right, like the music is what like compels you. It's what like drives you emotionally. And it's like, you can visually see it and still not be that attached to it. But if you can mesh the two um, together, it's fucking the best products can come out of it, you know? Well, we're going to get you on some soundtracks at some point. Please, God. <laughs> I'm still trying. Like, seriously, I'm still trying to get out, get out there. We're early. We're early. Pray for me. Slay for me. <laughs> Slay for me, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, now I have something that I'm excited about. A quick anime question. Oh. Headlining one stage, we've got a back-to-back. -back. Denji and Pochito are going to rip it up. Hard. From Chainsaw Man. And on stage two, we have Sukuna, King of Curses. What kind of vibes are they bringing? Oh. <laughs> and what stage are you going to? Damn. <laughs> okay, to me... Denji and Pochita would be OG subphotronic rhythm. DJ, come with a tune! Like just the gnarliest underground set ever. And Sukuna would be like tear out, but more on the popular side of tear out, you know, the bigger stuff. Like he would go stupid heavy, but everybody would be able to vibe to it type shit. <laughs> Sukuna just feels like this like hyper-confident, like, yeah, I'm cocky and I'm angry, but I'm collected. You know what I mean? Very collected. And Denji is just fucking all over the place. So he would be <laughs> doing the quad chops with the fake outs and like just him and Pochita would be up there going crazy type shit. All right, which, which set are you going to? <laughs> Can I split them in half? Can I go to one half of one and then bounce to 30 of the other? Because if I got to pick right now, I'm screwed. <laughs> I would go to both. This is what I would say. Go to the first half of Sukuna because I think he'll probably finish his set by just like murking everybody For in the sure. crowd. So I'm so on that. Finish with Denji. I'm so on that. Just catch the beginning of Sukuna. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? And Sukuna would be the yeah. type to have like a crazy opener. Like one of the, you know, like those artists that do those like real big cinematic with like the big visuals and boom, in a world like he would do that yeah so i would need to catch the beginning of sukuna for sure it's gonna be like btsm opener sukuna style exactly exactly you know what they're probably gonna do that too right that'd be the next anime they hit is jjk hopefully dog are you caught up by the way i was gonna ask you are you caught up dog <laughs> i'm so i'm one episode off and i'm uh, oh don't watch I've it i've been glued i've been glued to the screen this whole time and i'm worried you know because everybody keeps telling me like, don't watch it don't watch it i gotta catch up though i gotta do it you gotta do it and then my like manga friends are like it gets worse i'm like shut the fuck up like no it doesn't i don't don't tell me that 
that. Stop. If I want to, if I want to know that, I'll go read it. Okay, don't ruin it for me. Do you want to hear the spoilers? No. No. I want to be heartbroken in real time. There's a reason why I'm watching it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that too. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna keep going. One more. What What is Gojo playing? If he is on the third stage. Gojo. Satoru. Gojo. Ooh. He, he feels like... It's going to be like Psytrance or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, Domain Expansion to me is either Progressive House or Psytrance. Just like super big. I'll be there. Bright stuff. And he's just like beautiful, you know, John Summoning with his like beautiful blue eyes and white hair. That's him for sure. For sure. Dude, absolutely. Like human where you are. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Big vibes. For sure. for sure. I'd be there too. You think I wouldn't be in that domain? For sure. I'm in there. For sure. <laughs> Thank you for indulging our anime chats. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, we aren't as familiar with anime, but it was lovely to watch you. <laughs> so if you could see that back and forth, trust me, you would feel the same way if you tried. Exactly. I've seen Totoro. Really? Yeah, and I think Totoro is cool. Cute. And I read I read Saga. Hard. <laughs> Both of those are beautiful picks, by the way. Amazing. So try it. <laughs> try it so we can all four nerd out you know in our own separate discord call I'll call you guys and be like did you guys see the new episode of whatever the fuck you know what I mean <laughs> well next time we have you on it'll just be like anime chats <laughs> please please we'll get up to date by, by our next chat <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure I look forward to it right on I'm gonna grill you <laughs> so to wrap it all up I am wondering if you've ever heard of this event in New York City it's called Rhythm Bus Maybe you've heard of it? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh my god, yes. So, Rhythm Bus is a free Renegade Street Party thrown by City Soul, which I am a resident DJ for. I also am on their marketing team. Sure. Huge. And it was the school bus from the infamous Skrillex, Fred again, Fortet, B3B, in Times Square in February. Hey, yo! Aaron and I were there. I didn't know that! Yeah, same bus. That's... Dude, so cool. Yeah, we've had a few rhythm buses so far to name a few of our headliners. Victim, Sanzu, Guru, Terps have all played the bus. Fucking legends. A bunch of local DJs too. So I'm wondering if you'd like to come play sometime. Packing my bags. See ya. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would love that. Yes, I would love that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Yes, I've been keeping up with it. I've been keeping up with the whole thing. And, dude, it's so fucking cool. I love it. I still watch clips of Sanzu and um, Victim yeah, right on. at Ridden Bus. And I'm like, God, I, dude, yes, please. Right on. Yes. Next time you're in New York, please let us know. Absolutely. We'll get you on the bus. 100%. I have keys to it. <laughs> That's so cool. What the? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I would love to. Absolutely. Right on, brother. For sure. Well, that is happening. That is the conclusion of this episode of the podcast. Senor Sora, 
Thanks for being here, my man. What do you got going on? Tell the people what's cooking right now in your world. Thank you for having me. Right now, I'm taking a little bit of a break, but we have like a bunch of stuff planned. Next year's got a bunch of releases already locked in and a bunch of really cool remixes I can't talk about. As far as shows, I'm kind of taking a break. So if anybody wants to learn how to produce or anything, I also do lessons and sell presets and stuff. So for the foreseeable future, while we get all the tour plans ready for next year, look out for new music. I got a lot of really cool music coming out. I'm really stoked for it. Yeah. And yeah, 2024 is gonna be really dope. I don't need to- <laughs> 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 hey, thank you guys again for having me, man. Of course. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming on with us. Yeah, this was awesome. This was awesome. I loved it. Yo, this was sick. We're friends now, so you'll be back on at some point. Yay! We're going to see you on the bus. Hell yeah. We're going to talk anime on the bus. Please. Please. <laughs> Please. Please. I can't wait. Go get caught up, bro. I'm going to message you <laughs> and just see how heartbroken you are. <laughs> I will. I will. All right. So our last question. Did Brielle make your shirt? She sure did. Brielle, come in here. Yes. It looks so, so good. The legend herself, my branding Hello. guru, the beautiful Brielle. Hi, Brielle. She is my designer. <laughs> she makes all my graphics, my logo. Brie, is there anything you would like to ask him? Oh, what have you already gone over? Everything. Everything? <laughs> so much. Oh, my goodness. We could talk about our plans. Yeah, so we're actually moving to Dallas Woo. Uh, Woo. next Congrats, year. Guys. And we're getting a home. And we're launching a clothing brand. Yeah. Brielle and I have been working on designs like back to back to back, and we've been stacking them up pretty hard. And all I got to say is we have a lot of stuff planned for the clothing brand. I have plans for a radio show and a mix series, stuff like that. It's all coming. So dope. Brielle, your designs are spot on. Like, Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Really, really dope. My heart. We were looking through your uh, your merch last night, and I was like, damn, this is really tight I know. Shit. I got to cop some <laughs> shit. <laughs> Let me know, girl. Please, I got you. Please. Maybe I'll ask you. you guys a beanie or something. We got beanies. We got beanies. <laughs> last thing, what's Kitty's name? Where's Leaf? Leaf. <laughs> His name is Leaf, and he's a demon but also this way's boy uh, hi leave i'm just sleeping and he talks a lot so i'm sorry he'd be meowing and stuff you wanna go? go get coco wait i'll go get hunter we also have a dog named ollie we got ollie pop say hi paul <laughs> <laughs> yeah our cat do be loud here comes coco <gasps> all the cats all the kitties <laughs> family portrait <laughs> 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 Cuties! How cute! Dumb stuff, kitties. Well, brother, thank you for taking so much time out of your evening for us. I had a great time. Right on. Uh, door's always open. Hit me up anytime. Bye. Uh... <laughs>